PS3 and Vita stores live another day? Perhaps coming to a new PlayStation home. Hello, and welcome to Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as you may know, with all the fun of the cold openings, Senior Saul Bridges. Bring you guys lucky episode 208. At real quick, no, 209, 209. Two, I, yeah, 209, that's correct. If you're watching on video, I'm just going to... You see the beautiful outslip cover of this? Now watch. That's a terrible game. Lunar Tears! And they're gorgeous, man. This is like beautiful packaging. Anyway, in case you're listening only, I am uh, oogling over my White Snow edition of Near Replicant version blah, 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 blah. So, the, the box looks better than the game. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Saul's been crap talking the game this whole time, and I know he's probably enjoying it. Oh, I probably. Absolutely. But we'll talk more Absolutely. about that because, as we always do when we start this show off, it's a time-honored tradition. Before we get into all the talk about PlayStation Vita and PS3 stores, all the talk about maybe PlayStation Home coming back around, one thing we got to do is ask each other. A very simple question, because I don't actually know the answer to this one. As much as Saul and I have talked about video games this week, I haven't actually said a word about what either of us have been playing. Well, you know one thing I've been playing, yeah, <laughs> because I've been playing it on break at work. What have you been up to this week? I have only been playing two games, really. Uh, I didn't play really anything at all from leaving here last Sunday all the way up until um, about Thursday, I think. Thursday, I, I got back into playing Modern Warfare. Just because last you know last episode I was talking about having a multiplayer based shooter that was fun, and I just kind of miss like everything's battle royale now, and I kind of miss traditional like six v six team deathmatch games. Yeah. So I played a couple of games of that, but not much. Um, and then Friday night I started uh, near replicant. I didn't play it much because we were real bad thunderstorm was coming through. I knew the power was going to go out, which it did. It, it did. just took until like two a.m. <laughs> For it to come out, at least at my place. I don't know if you're... No, same. Yeah, it, it went out in the middle of the night. But uh, it, went, it went out weirdly. Like, it, it, it stormed real bad at 2 a.m. And then, like, 30 minutes after it had calmed down, the power went out. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But, yeah. um, yeah, so I spent pretty much all day yesterday um, playing through it in, in bites. Like, I'd play two hours of it, then come back and play another two hours of it. Right now, my save is sitting at six hours. Um, and I only played it for, like, an hour on um I say an hour. I did the opening of the game Friday night before I was getting ready to go to bed. And um I'm really enjoying it. It, it is it is one of those things where I can't tell if it's nostalgic because I have played near Automata, which would which most people are like that doesn't make sense. That game's only 4 years old. Um but it feels nostalgic in that sense, but it also feels nostalgic just because it is a two generation old game at this point and there's a lot of weird tropes that are kind of embedded into that generation as well as the PS2 generation too in terms of the way you save and the way the menus would navigate yeah basic and design language yeah too. it's it, it's yeah. very much samey uh kind of feeling of those generations past and the soundtrack for this game is phenomenal i knew that going into it because automata's soundtrack was one of the best aspects of the game and that's the out of like five aspects because there's so many good things about Automata. Am I remembering correctly that it in and it's just been a while, but that's why I'm, I'm trying to think. You save by going to the mailboxes. Correct? Yes. Okay. Um, 
it's weird because as much as you say that, some of the complaints people had with Automata is that it had those same things because it didn't rely on autosaves. You had to go, and I thought that this was not only a, from a challenge perspective because save points do offer a different challenge than autosave does. Yeah. And that's why I always did like that even God of War coming into PS3 when there still was a decent bit of things going to autosave checkpoints. They were like, no, you've got to get to the next checkpoint for you to be safe. But... I, I thought Automata's choice to do it was also somewhat of a reference back to, you know, th- there's a lot of reverence for the original Nier in Automata. And that's why you say you feel nostalgic playing this because you played Automata. Well, that's reasonable because Automata, for people who've not played the original, does a lot to try and play and have a lot of influence from the original. It just does right. it in a new different coat you know a different coat of paint yeah and that's um, that's definitely true because from playing this i could i there's moments like where i'm like yeah this could definitely this could be like a near automata dlc from what i've played of it so far because it's that much close to its dna yeah the combat's a little looser because it's clearly not like platinum games developed combat that's one of the big things that automata has going for it but replicant definitely since they've tightened it up a lot and got it going at 60 frames per second when the original would sometimes fall to like 25 The, the com- I'll tell you this right now. The combat's virtually the same. They're very similar. And like I said, at the time, there, there's elements that I think are a little different. And again, even the way that they kind of did the chipset, I feel like it's reminiscent of the way that you can collect words, words that you use to imp- influence your, your moves and whatnot. But, and the way Grimoire Vice works as pod in that nature too. But I'll say this. there's I like Grimoire Vice's uh, system better because it's cooler. And I'm not going to say what it is for people that are playing through near, but obviously like for what the, you, in the first 10 minutes of it, you get, what, what are they exactly called? I guess they're just art, arcane arts. Yeah. And you get to see kind of what you'll eventually be unlocking as you go through the rest of the game. And there's one in there that I can't think of what it's called. It's not dark blast or dark hand, but it's the one where the, the spikes come out of the ground. Oh yeah. And I was like, I can't, I can't wait to unlock that because yeah. that's so cool. But, um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I plan on playing more of it tonight and throughout all this coming up week, I'm going to hopefully plan on beating it by the end of this coming week. So I can get more impressions on it for the next episode. But, um, that's it for me. What have you been playing, man? I've, okay. Actually, I still, <laughs> I did technically turn my PS five on to play something. Finally, it was spirit fair last night. Um, which I'm very close to finishing. I told Chris I was going to go ahead and finish it, do the final thing, but I'm wanting to go ahead and try and knock out the only trophy I don't have before I do that, which requires me just waiting since I didn't sign up for this dumb food service at the beginning of the game. Chris had the exact same problem. I knew it was going to hit me. So I was literally just had my PS5 on, sitting there letting time pass in Spirit Fair while I played my PS Vita still. Uh, so I've been playing Resistance Retribution. I downloaded it uh, after I told you that I finished Mercenary. Um, I'm still planning on doing Mercenary, so if any of you have Vitas out there, have Mercenary, and you're wanting to grab some trophies, like I know uh, one of our patrons, Danny uh, and Chris, were also talking about doing it. We didn't end up doing it this week, but we still need to get on that. If you boys are down, holler at me. Let me know. We'll figure out times that work for all of us. But I decided, because I was talking to Chris prior to that, if I wanted to start Unit 13 or Resistance Retribution next, and I've been really wanting to play a Resistance game after playing Killzone. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and play that. And Retribution's so good. So if anybody doesn't know, it's it's 2009 PSP game. Sony Bend made it. And it plays and works a lot like their Siphon Filter games from PSP era, but with all the Resistance you know influence that you would need. And... <clears throat> To make my point to a degree, 
after I beat Retribution the other day, I re-downloaded Burning Skies to start trying it again just to see because I feel like Retribution is just a better game. And playing between the two, they're clearly different. Retribution is a third-person shooter, which was a better fit for the PSP. But Retribution is a better game, even if I think realistically Burning Skies gets more of the resistance, small gameplay elements that made me fall in love with the first one, right? But that's because it's besides the fact that Retribution... Uh, or sorry, that Burning Skies has got those little things. Like, I love the ability in the first game. I was talking to Saul about it the other day. Uh, one of the coolest things to me in the first Resistance was the ability to shoot either the heat stacks on the back of the Chimera hybrids back, or you could see these red oxygen tubes. And if you wanted to be that precise, you could shoot, or I say oxygen, it was probably like, <laughs> what is it? Uh, like nitrogen? Like dry ice, whatever, nitrogen. Um, who knows exactly what the fluid was, but... It was going through and keeping the heat stack on their backs cool. And if you wanted to, you could shoot those. And if you shot all of them, the heat stack would overheat and blow up, just like if you just shot the heat stack itself. But that small level level of detail was really cool. Well, in Retribution, you couldn't shoot the heat stacks. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't do anything. Uh, I really thought it was cool that they brought it back in this one, that if you want to, you can purposely aim for the things in their back and blow them up that way. And part of the... I guess strategy behind that is that if you can do that to one and there's a group of a cluster of them around, you can do that. It'll overheat and then blow up and it'll cause area of effect damage to the surrounding ones, if not kill them outright. So there's, you know, more than just being fine detail, but it's a, it's a cool thing. And I like that that's back in burning skies, but the burning skies story is very poorly done. And it's level design is just go into an area kill everything, go into an area, kill everything. And I know that's all shooter games, but it's it's just so blatantly obvious here. The little details in combat like that are sometimes just really cool. Um, I'll never forget the first time I played A Link to the Past. You know, you get your shield, and you're like, well, how do I use it? And you just really can't. But then you realize that if you're getting an arrow shot at you directly from the front, it bounces off your shield. I'm like, that's cool. Like, because you're holding your shield up, it's going to bounce off. But there's no way to, to activate your shield or anything like that. It's just passive. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Exactly. That kind of stuff is really interesting, and I think it makes... I mean, at the time for PS3, I think it's more sensible than Insomniac were thinking, like, what's a cool thing that you can only do with the power of next-gen? Oh, we're going to do this super weird way to go through killing our enemies. But it's also, like I said, I like that there's always a reason to do it more than just trying to be gratuitous in the way that you kill. Because it's also like if enemies ducking undercover, but a, a little fraction of their heat stack is sticking out. If you can get right on it, you can shoot that and blow them up that way. Um, it's just hmm. a different way to come in, you know. I, I really enjoy those games, and I'm having a blast playing them. Burning Skies is still fun, and yeah, <laughs> I remember it wasn't as loved by reviewers. I think it's Metacritic, just for the. Of course, I said Metacritic's not very important. I don't think it is, but for reference, it's pretty true across the board. Burning Skies has got like a. 5.5 or 6 <laughs> and gosh. Burning Skies or uh, yeah Burning Skies has that and then Retribution is at like an 8 or a 9 like an 88 or a 90 so pretty good and those games are both great I'm trying to figure out what I want to do on Vita next One, I went ahead and bought Scourgebringer which looks really good it's the it's a I mean it's been on a PC but it's a new um, is that the one that has like a um, uh, like it's purple and like light blue art 
on the the cover. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. It looks really good, and it, I've actually watched gameplay of it on Vita to see how it ran. It runs really well. It's a roguelite where it's almost like a roguelite in the sense of um, the way top-down Zelda's used to be, where you have a screen and then you'd walk out of the screen and it will go through the next one. Um, this looks dope. Is this on Switch? I think so. Yes. I might have to pick this up. Yeah, and sixteen bucks or eighteen bucks, one of those two. Sixteen ninety nine, I think, is what it was. I'm interested in playing that. Um, you know, I think the upside to the way, and we'll get into that in a little bit. The way that Sony ended up announcing their thing is it kind of did revive my my interest in the Vita in a different way. Plus, all these old games I've been wanting to play. So I've been supporting the hell out of Vita lately. I bought Unit Thirteen. <laughs> I bought um, Resistance Retribution. Again, so that was fifteen bucks. Unit thirteen was fifteen bucks. I bought Burning Skies again, which was fifteen bucks because I originally had it physically, and then I bought Scourgebringer. So this is kind of you know it, it's good. Sometimes you got to shock people's systems to get them going back, but that kind of happened on its own. I was playing Vita kind of regardless because of Mercenary at that point. So, um, but I plan on playing PlayStation Five soon, even though I clearly have this and got in Friday. Friday was my anniversary, so I didn't start it yet. Probably will start it today and have a good time with it. I'm excited to hear Saul slowly but surely get into the game so we can talk more and more about it. Saul's already doing the questions of like, what is this and what is this? And this is re- referenced in, in Automata. Does that, yeah. talk about, does that take place in this game? It's I've fun. Ca- I've, caught, I've caught a couple things. It's just like the, the, the first 20-ish minutes of the game. I, I'd say 30 minutes to be fair. The first 30 minutes of the game, uh, the intro, if you will, that will just kind of make you think, what is going on? And and I need the answers for this. That alone, it does a good job to motivate you to find the specific answers to that question than a lot of other games do. It's it's rare to open up a game, uh, in my experience, and something within the first 30 minutes to an hour is something enough to latch on to, to make me, to compel me to keep playing. So here's the real question, and there's no way we'll ever know. But I'm really curious if before Automata ever came out and you'd ever played it and it wasn't some smash success that carried an expectation with it. If Do you think if I would have let you borrow this game in like 2014 and you just happened to play it, do you think that you would have been gripped as much too? Or do you think yeah. that part of it is because you know Automata set the expectation that they're going to pay this off? No, because you got to think about it. This game is, is very similar to Automata. So if it I is. liked if I liked Automata, then I'm going to love this game. Or vice versa. Yeah, but you didn't like Automata the first time that you no, played it. See, I've gone back, though. I've said I've just not been in the right mindset to play yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. I, it that's wasn't fair. that I didn't like it. It was just... Yeah, like yeah, I'll come back to it eventually. Like it was never like eh, I'm not gonna play this game. This game's garbage. Sure, yeah, I know. Like, uh, what was it that I started up? Oh yeah, um, Disco Elysium. I was like, I don't like this game, so I'm just not gonna play it again. Fair. Man, that's a hot take. See, in the game it, it, isn't this right where now, we but... need digital rights management, where you can just be like, okay, Brett, you want to try it here? I'm just gonna shoot you my. Or hey, Sony, copy. can I get a thirty dollar? Can I get my refund for thirty dollars back for the game I played less than four hours of? I think I played two hours of it, three hours of it. Yeah. There we go. All these questions. Sony, we're not done hitting you hard with what the <laughs> what we expect. Uh, anyway, before we get into the news, as usual, we're going to get into the community's take. And last week, we kind of half mentioned it, that last week itself was actually, or the week before last was, no, it was this past week, was the t- 10th anniversary for the great PSN outage of 2011, as everyone remembers, uh, or as plenty of remember, maybe not everyone. And 
that was brought up by one of our patrons and listeners, Rude Days 93. He was kind of talking about it. And so we extended that out to the rest of the community and said, you know, this month marks the 10th anniversary of the PSN hack of 2011 that left us without PSN connectivity for just short of a month. Were you a PlayStation gamer at the time? If so, how did it affect your day-to-day habits? Did it affect your con- your confidence in the brand? Do you feel Sony did a good enough job responding to the situation and making it up to its users? And if you weren't a PlayStation gamer, did you know about it happening and did it impact your decision at all or give you pause when making the decision to come into the PS family? Cause if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you play PlayStation at least some. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I argue that you don't really have to be a PlayStation gamer to listen to this podcast. That's one of the reasons we try to keep our, our talk so broad, <laughs> but we had a, we had a lot of answers here and I was curious because some of the community members we know well enough and I know that they're not big heavy online people anyway. So first thing I'm going to do is head over to Mr. Rude Days who was the one here. He says mainly a 360 gamer at the time, but I did, I did hear about this from a couple of friends that were pissed they couldn't play the Call of Duty game at the time. Also had another friend who wanted to show me the newest SOCOM game which came out right before this <laughs> and well that never happened i joked that this was why us xbox players paid for online to prevent this and kind of started believing it as the psn outage kept going i can also, see that. shout out to him because he was the one that posed this question originally yeah so uh i i thought that was fun i mean that's just kind of the interesting way that these things go out uh, i remember in the grand scheme because um i wasn't in high school i, I had just graduated that year in 2011 so or actually you know what if it was april it would have been i wasn't quite graduated yeah you would have been been a month and a half later very close uh it felt like it because back in high school you know i had the uh what was it even called where yeah deca where you're in (laughs) you only work half the day because i had a job so it was great i got to go home halfway through the day every day fantastic times but yeah, I remember when that happened, one of the things that hit me at first was like, I don't play a ton of online games, so I'm not just destroyed. I do want to say that Killzone 3 was out by then. I think Killzone was a February 2011 game, if I recall correctly, maybe January, February 22nd, 2011. Um, so that did impact me because Killzone 3 has basically my favorite multiplayer on PlayStation 3. So I know that it hit that. But I was in the middle of playing other stuff at the time. So it wasn't a huge thing. What got me is that we used our PlayStation for Netflix. And the first two or three days, because the PSN was down and you couldn't log in, you couldn't watch Netflix. Now, because you had to be logged in. I don't know what they did. I don't know if they did some kind of server-side change. But after about three days, even though you couldn't log in the PlayStation Network, it would just go ahead and go to Netflix. Yeah. And that's how it should have been to begin with. Yeah. I wonder if that was kind of one of those moments where they were like, huh, maybe we should have all these things tied to your <laughs> to needing to be logged in. Yeah. Um, and see, for me, on the flip side, I did not have a PlayStation 3 at the time. Up to then, the only things on PlayStation 3 that I experienced were Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, or Metal Gear Solid 4, um, and Demon's Souls. And that was because my brother owned a PlayStation 3. But you played some resistance too online with us. Yeah, that was I don't I don't know if I count that though. That's less than ten hours worth of fair. And I and I played fairly decent amount of both of the I actually beat Mega Solid Four uh and a fair decent amount of Demon Souls. But um Yeah, it's it's one of those things that for me, as an Xbox gamer, I didn't care that it was going on. Like I it didn't really affect me none. I was still playing Call of Duty on Xbox. Um but I will say this, it did uh come up whenever I was wanting to buy a PS three. 
because I bought a PS3 and uh, it was either late 2012 or early 2013. What year did uh, Last of Us come out? 13. Okay. No, it would have been late. Now I can't remember. Did I have a PS3 before Last of Us? I think I did. Because Last of Us wasn't the first game I played. It was Uncharted 3. You had a PS3 before The Last of Us. Okay, that's what I, I, okay, that's what I thought. Because yeah. I, I wasn't exactly excited on The Last of Us because I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, because you bought yours and had Demon's Souls, Uncharted 3. Dark Souls 1 and 2. Dark Souls 1 and 2, and one other game. Dishonored. Dishonored, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, r- real quick, while I'm thinking down PS3 memory lane, do you remember this game at all? And me and Seth would actually play it a ton. Super fun multiplayer. Wait a second, was it a free-to-play? No, it, but it was like a cheap, downloadable game. Uh-uh. Hey, look, there goes a screenshot. You had three different classes you could choose from. It was published by Ubisoft, if I remember, um, but it was like a, just a downloadable game. We had a couple of those. There's another one called Section 8, I think is what it was called. And this is... Or what, Sector 8. This is Self-Actor, Psychokinetic Wars. Self-Actor, Psychokinetic Wars. Dude, I love this game. I never... And it was... No one else did. <laughs> this game did not do well. I bet it did. But Seth good. and I played so much of that. And then, like I said, there was that game called, like, Sector 8. Um, that was kind of like a... Maybe it was Sector... Hold on, let me see. Sector 8, I remember. That was that one was free. No, it was... Um, you sure? Sex, it was Section 8. And it was... Yeah, no, you had to pay for it. And it was like Halo-ish. I remember that. I thought that was a free... Maybe it was free to play when I came to it. Is that a thing? Because there was two... I don't two- think so. Because it, it wasn't online. I mean, it had a story. You, you played through like a campaign. Maybe... Okay, no. I'm mixing that up with something else then. I'm mixing it up with... Um, Dust 514. That was free, wasn't it? That was free. That that's, was the one that was in the... Uh, that's what I'm mixing Eve Online up. universe. Yeah. And then wasn't that part... Like, couldn't you play that on um, PS4 launch too? I think so. Okay. They might have closed it down by then, but I'm, I feel like it was there. But uh, for me, I bought it, you know, early 2013, and I ended up getting a fairly decent deal on it because I was trading in uh, my original 3DS because I had a 3DS XL and a couple of other things. But the GameStop that I was trying to get it from was, were out. So I ended up taking, like, it was like $180 cash, and Walmart had marked down the new Slim uncharted 3 bundle that came with uncharted 3 and an extra controller and something else like was it maybe like six months of ps i think that sounds right plus or something yeah it was it was something else and they had not even have been a year ps plus and they had marked it down at 250 and i ended up getting it for like i forgot how much i got from GameStop. it was like 70 dollars out of pocket yeah and from then on you know the, the my thought process though involving that hack was that it was already like a year and a half past it hadn't happened again, and if if need be, I would just use. And I did this for a while. I just used PSN cards. If you were going to buy, something. yeah, I just I, I didn't have to. Well, by then you weren't heavily digital yet, were you? No, and that's why I didn't really bother me at all. I was actually still. I actually preferred to go to GameStop to get my games back when the people that worked at GameStop right here were tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny in, in terms of looking at the part of the question for me, and then we're going to grab some more though. Um, you know, in terms of like. Did it infect your confidence in the brand, or, or and it did it make you think about things like that? One of the only games I ever bought digital is back when I had my truck. I still worked at the hospital, or I might have just started at Leadwell, one of the two. I, I guess I can say based off of when the game came out. So Metro Last Light, which I want to say was 2013. I had that on PS3. Too. It was, May, May 14th. Okay. Um, 
So I was working at Leadwell. Or, oops. I was working at Leadwell. I was working at a place. Well, you don't work there anymore. It's okay. <laughs> That's true. I don't. Yeah. Uh, but um, Metro Last Light came out. I had the truck. Okay. It only got 10 miles to a gallon, and gas was still pretty expensive. It, it wasn't as high as it had been, but it was pretty expensive. I didn't want to go all the way back to town. So what I ended up doing was doing the first digital purchase I'd ever done with Metro Last Light. Gotcha. And that was after the hack. And I never thought twice about the fact that I was just put my credit card information <laughs> in there. Now, whether that's because I was young and dumb or who knows exactly. But yeah, so clearly it didn't affect my confidence. I don't know why. To be honest, at that point, you could be a little closer. That was closer to me being what I would argue was more. Because I'd say even now, I'm a fanboy. Okay. I don't think that fanboy has to carry a negative connotation. I'm a fan of Sony to a very strong degree. It doesn't have to, no. So, it can, but it doesn't it can. have to. I think the further back you go into high school, the more you could consider me on the worst side of fanboyism. Well, yeah. Well, and... I would compare you with PlayStation the way I compared Adam to Xbox. Like it was both of like Xbox is trash. Why am I going to play that kind of mentality where he was like yeah. PlayStation is trash. I'm not going to play that. Yeah. It, it, and it was, it was like kind of jokingly cause I still played Xbox occasionally, but it just wasn't something I did strongly and I didn't care about it much. So, but yeah, my attitude towards it was definitely more sharp, <laughs> you know, I guess. So, 2013, I don't know. By then, I had played a good bit of um, Minecraft on Xbox. So, And Halo 4 had already come out and was really good. I'll still never forget the first time I played Minecraft with friends. That was like a magical experience. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Um, on the flip side of this, though, we have Jehudi. And uh, he says, funnily enough, it was around the same time that my PS3 yellow-lighted of death. Well, which, for those that don't know, there was a very small chance that that could happen to PS3s, but it could and, and brick it. He said, it took me a while to get a hold of another PS3, so the outline didn't affect me as much. But from a brand perspective, it did affect my perception of them a tiny bit. But the legacy of my PS2 and PS1 kept my confidence in the brand. The way they handled the whole situation was commendable. That doesn't, of course, negate the fact that it was so shitty of them to not invest in the security of their system. And since then, the PlayStation Network has come a long way of being secure and dependable. I can agree. Out of, yeah. Especially out of all the stuff I've bought digitally, I've never... I actually haven't had ever on any of my... I'm not going to name them because that's just too much. But on my credit cards, the banks that I do business with with them, I've never had a breach. It's always been my debit card. Same. And, and only still once on debit card, but I've, I've it's partially probably why I'm so reliant on credit cards. Twice on my wife's debit card, once on, or no, twice on my card, once on my wife's debit card. We've been affected three times now. Um, luckily though, like pretty much any now, like if you bank with any reputable source, if you get hacked and you get money lost, it's typically a pretty quick investigation to pay you back. And uh, one of the main cards that I use every day actually has a very good policy about how that happens with them. I've just i've never had to test it out so thankfully, thankfully yeah thankfully for that um liam on discord he does say uh he was playing uh but anything uh he wasn't playing anything online or did any online purchase so it didn't affect or bother him 
Uh, and he said at the end he got two free games from it. So. <laughs> Which, that's the weird thing, because depending on what you were doing, this either was like a mild annoyance or the end of the world. If yeah. you were like, if you were getting into gaming, because of course Call of Duty was huge at the time, and your whole thing was online sports games and online shooter games, then this is the end of the world for you, and this is a big deal. And the thing about it that's weird, though, is I'm not even sure that those people necessarily felt like they got anything out of the two free games. Because the games that were on uh, Select there... I think you get two PS3 games and a Vita game at the time. Um, and regardless, the games are on select for things like Infamous and first-party titles that if you were jumping into the system primarily for Call of Duty and sports games, which I think at the time you could argue were becoming like casual games, then you just felt like you had all that time off. You didn't even get anything back out of it outside yeah. of a free month of PS Plus because I think that they did give that to everybody. Well, it's funny that you bring up, especially the people who play shooters and stuff. But same thing. PS Plus at the time, you were just getting free games. Yeah, where you know Rude Days mentioned that his buddies who played COD were pretty mad. And then K1700 Mitchell on Twitter, he says at the time, the only online game uh, that he really played was Call of Duty, so he was a little bummed out he couldn't play online for a bit. But he found a kind of a, a little golden bridge there, and he said, but it wasn't a huge deal. Honestly, they still had single-player and zombies, among other games, to play. There was someone, and I want to go find it, and I love the answer, because I was like, huh, this is actually kind of like a looking for the silver lining and finding what you can from it. Uh, I think it may be over on the last week one. Let's see. I just thought it was kind of cool. Basically, the gist of it was that back when it happened – they had never they were playing call of duty but they hadn't played the storyline so when they actually went on to play it they were like turns out it had a pretty great storyline uh i want to see if i can find it because i just thought it was such a cool answer because i'm like you know that the argument that i just made about how they may not feel that way someone who bought call of duty but never actually played the story and was maybe forced to be like, well, I want to play something, so I'm going to play the story. Might have ended up getting into story gaming as a result of this. Now, that doesn't make it a good thing. No, not at all. But I just thought it was so interesting way to kind of pull that off. I really wish I could find it, and uh, but, I mean, it is what it is. Let's see. Well, you find that. I'll, I'll give one from that. Yeah, also, Dave said, he said oh, he, he was a PlayStation gamer at the time, and the outage didn't affect him that much. Uh, he goes on to say, I didn't play online much during the PS3 era, so not being online didn't impact me. It did leave me somewhat concerned about the future of the network, but no major to long-lasting concerns. So the one was actually over on Facebook. It was Nicholas Horder, and he says uh, it, it wasn't Call of Duty. It was Battlefield 3. He said, totally derailed my Battlefield 3 experience. On the plus side, though, Great game. the only reason I wound up actually playing the campaign, which was pretty decent. <laughs> Dude, Battlefield 3's campaign was good well the multiplayer the was, was so good i remember back then it was like take turns between battlefield 3 and modern warfare 2 and 3 so that was one of the first times because you remember battlefield's big thing across the 360 ps3 generation was started with bad company destructible environments yeah uh, and then that carried through to like uh, metal of honor reboot and whatnot where they started using frostbite engine but i remember that uh, battlefield 3 because blaze bought it and that was one of the first times that you had like really large scale destruction and you could see every bit of it. Like, yeah, it was cool in bad company one or two to go to a house and just start shooting all the walls down. Like it was cool that you could do that. Yeah. And I really kind of miss that era in gaming. Cause it was like, there would just like be red faction. Like, yeah. And even something like uh, far cry Two, where it's like, Oh, okay. We're going to have your gun get jammed. You can shoot tree okay. branches down. I was like, can you destroy stuff like that in far cry Two? Uh, a lot of it. 
Yeah, not but, completely, yeah. but a lot of it. But trees and stuff for sure. The grass would interact with fire and spread with wind. Yeah, that was that was the first time I saw that in a video game. I Dude, I cool. missed that in Far Cry so bad. <laughs> but was it was it three or was it Battlefield Four? Where like I was playing it and I was in this multi storied building, and like I realized that all of a sudden the the floor became slanted and I fell and I eventually found myself underwater and I rose up. And I'm like, there's a building here. And it was gone. It's gone. That was the multiplayer. There was a map where if you were going, the building would start to fall. And it was like there was a tsunami or a whatever you want to call it going through. And it would do Was that, that four or three, though? That was four's multiplayer. Okay. Yeah, that was actually one of the coolest things about that multiplayer. But three, Battlefield 3's campaign was one of the first times that a console game had done, like, huge buildings. Like, you shoot an RPG into the side of, like, a skyscraper. And you see it just, like, blow up and start to cave down and fall. And it looked... Gorgeous at the time. I loved Call of Duty campaigns before that, like Modern Warfare 2s and stuff like that, but I don't know if I ever played Battlefield 3s. Yeah. I don't think I did. If I did, I played like, if the first mission is like you going through a building and then getting on top of like a parking garage with two guys out there you meet up with for the that first time. sounds familiar. Okay, yes. that might be, I might have played the first mission then. Yeah. Anyway, fun time in gaming. I like that. We're going to get a couple more here, and then we're going to move on with the show. I'm going to grab uh, Richard Schaefer. He is one of our patrons, if I'm not mistaken. He says, at the time of hack, I owned all the systems, and I remember laughing about all the Xbox players mocking the PlayStation players. Actually, still have some buddies that bring up the hack to this day since I only play on PlayStation now. As a physical disc owner, this didn't really affect me. I had plenty to play. I also think Sony handled it decently. At the time, I think they gave away too much. Interesting. So you thought that they overplayed their hand. But I got to say, when you have something to this degree, I don't really know if there's a way to overplay. You know what I mean? I think if you give as much as you probably feel like you can financially hit. when you're, And you know what sucked about it, though, is at that point in time, PS3 was really firing on all cylinders. Had a bunch of great games coming out. They were getting really highly uh, regarded sequels. And, uh, and you know their, their first party IP was doing really well. PlayStation 3 had kind of climbed its way back to being equally as successful as 360 at the time, and then this happens. Rough going. Yes. Oh, man. Still impressive with, even though through all of this, the consoles they still ended up selling afterwards. Yeah, and they ended up surpassing 360 by the end of the generation, despite this. That's really interesting. Um Kevin Bacon Bits over on our Discord says, I didn't really affect me much. I played single-player games here and there on PS3 at the time, but mostly played Modern Warfare 2 with friends on 360. So, interesting. Uh, I'm going to grab one more from Facebook because we had a bunch over there, and I know we didn't get to all of them. So, let's see what we have here. <laughs> this one doesn't count. Chris Fig said, well, I bought SOCOM 4, <laughs> which we've already determined. Depending on what you wanted out of that was... Uh, a devastating move at the time. I'm going to grab one from Derek Porter, one of our patrons. He says, it was terrible. I was heavy into Black Ops, so one month felt like forever. I can't remember what I did with my time. I probably got my college work done on time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a really interesting time. Um, it was cool to see them. I, I remember at the time, again, I was more willing to give give them the benefit of the doubt and I remember being like, yeah, they're handling this really well. But I was also young, and I think there's some naivety that comes with that. Like in, in my older age where I realized just how much credit matters and credit card issues can come in, I do think that it was a bigger deal than I realized at the time because I just hadn't had that much world experience. So it's interesting to see people who I know are uh, listeners who are older than us who kind of went through it, and that still doesn't seem to be their primary concern. So 
it's it's interesting. It is what it is. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. We appreciate it. And if you want to be part of the next community's take, remember that you can go and find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD or on Facebook by going to Facebook uh, and typing in in the search bar Triangle Square to Play Six Podcast. If you ask to be entered in there, uh, I will approve that and you can start answering when we make those posts as well as the Discord, which we always have linked in the description of these episodes. So head down there and click through if you want to be part of our Discord server where you can kind of talk with us and other listeners about gaming and everything, movies, music, got a bunch of stuff great group of people in there we appreciate all of you who go in there and, and make it a great place to be and we try and keep it down as with all things humans getting together sometimes results in drama but hopefully and thankfully not too often we are about to go into the news but before so we'd be remiss if we didn't tell you that this show is brought to you by us and you head over to our Patreon at nartech.com slash Patreon. If not nartech.com, patreon.com slash nartech. If you want to support the show with more than just your time, which I promise we are very thankful for, but those who do get some extra perks like early access on certain shows that we do, uh, you get shout outs at the end of the content as well as while we're doing things like reader mail and <clears throat> reader mail. Saul. um, listen, last time I've talked, I talked, talked about this. I actually, um, I just happened to see the little notification from a second ago. I've been saying off Twitter, by the way, folks, for like while I'm playing near because I, I'm not letting this game get spoiled for me. And I know saying that has opened up a wormhole, but unless you know my phone number, you're not going to get me. Um, <laughs> but um, and I'll be posting Saul's phone number right now in the Discord. I'll be changing my phone number right now on Discord. And I noticed that um, Matt said that you know we need reader mail back. Listen, I am all for bringing reader mail back. However, reader mail is a two-way street. We have to have participation for it to be worth bringing back. And not not blaming anybody, but last time we did reader mail, it's the same four or five people every episode. And then it eventually got, not saying that, oh, we don't devalue your questions either for those same people, but it got less and less. And it's a two-way street, people. So maybe what we could do is, Make, turn, bring Rita Mill back in the form of every 25 episodes or something and have a big old bank saved up so that we can go through and I can just keep posting tweets and asking you for questions. Well, here's this. There's like 500 of you that listen to this show, at least, that I can full-on see. If you want Rita Mill, find some way to reach out and tell us. Yes. Because we're we, not against the idea. And not only do you want it, but if you're going to participate in it. Because that, that matters. <laughs> we need it does, people. yes. I'm going to start making fake discords just to come in and be like, hey, can, can uh, what's the weather like there? Just make asking like filler questions. <laughs> but I don't mind bringing Reader Mill back. Uh, and I've thought about it. I just it. had to mess with you. Whenever he said it, I was like, oh, yeah. Because for a while we were resting on that. Well, once my schedule settles down. Well, I thought about, no, well, no, we rest on that. But we also rested on what I just went through as well. I but... Understand. Uh, I don't have a problem bringing it back. I think it'd be fun that every 25th episode, so we're on um, 109 now, one tw- or 209. 209? 209, yeah. it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Say out loud. 209 episodes. Uh, at like 225, 250, 275, 300. There will be like very specific live, every quarter uh, episode will be live streamed, reader mail specific episodes, and just fun coming out in chats. Uh, or maybe every 50. I don't know yet. Um, but it's fun to think about. <laughs> oh, boy. That hunger is starting to set in. I, that's why I, I, I can't think about it right now because I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm ready for pizza. Also, hold on. Let me just bring you up an example. Last week, we had told you guys to hit us up in Discord to give us some fancy pizza combinations from Pizza Hut. Guess who did it? 
nobody. So now do you want me to ask you guys to ask us questions because nobody answered that question? Do you see what I mean? I'm getting hangry. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Woo. Nobody gave us some, some cool pizza combinations. Maybe people out there don't like – maybe our listener group doesn't like pizza as much Did as we give us, Listen, okay, first of all, don't listen to us if you don't like pizza. You're not welcome here. Second of all, <laughs> obviously I'm joking. Second of all, though, if you don't like pizza, give us Papa John's or Domino's. We have options of those. Our Just, homemade pizza. Don't No, that's too much work. Don't <clears> give <throat> us uh, Little Caesars because uh, I'm just going to get the extra most bestest or the pretzel pizza. And don't give us um, – uh, Chuck and Cheeses. <laughs> anyway, oh, if you want to head over to patreon.com slash nartech. And here, here, here's, here's a benefit you get from this. Uh, did you know that, that, that um, have you ever heard of called a dark kitchen? No. A dark kitchen is a delivery only like restaurant. So like if you go to DoorDash, you'll see something called It's Just Wings. And it's called a dark kitchen because there's only the kitchen that's open. It's Chili's. They have very specific menu items that you can't order at Chili's, but they can make their for delivery like DoorDash or Grubhub and stuff like that. So I saw one that was Pasquale's Pizza, and I'm like, I, you know what? This pizza looks pretty good. Let me it's, Google. It, yeah, it's Chuck, it's e. Chuck e. Cheese. Yeah. Yes, 100%. I'm not letting those pictures av- this advertise me. We, we went through this on Dickish at Best, episode two or three, with Chuck E. Cheese conspiracy theories. <laughs> I will say though, it's just wings. You said that wings like a plural. There was a plural of Chuck E. Cheese conspiracy theories. There was. It was the misshapen pieces. It's where Chuck E. touched people. It was. Anyways, <laughs> I'm me and my uncle in the you know the back alley of the Chuck E. Cheese. You know all those different things. Yeah, that's how you know Brett's childhood was really messed up because our Chuck E. Cheese is in a mall. <laughs> so if he's in an alley somewhere at Chuck E. Cheese, I don't know where he's at, but he's not at Chuck E. Cheese. You know the loading bay that's directly beside it that goes in. <laughs> Oh my gosh, let's get to the news. <laughs> Jokes fir- aside. This first one I'm actually interested in. All right, Tales of Arise got a new trailer giving a peek into its world and characters as well as a September 10th release date. I just watched the trailer. I okay. saw that, that throughout this week, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I, I kind of don't want to watch the trailer, uh, but JRPGs are weird. Where like Visual spoilers don't matter that much because the, the, the way those stories are told is so crazy and wild yeah. that sometimes visual spoilers from a trailer isn't like a normal RPG or is it not so they give something away like a movie trailer and I just kind of skipped through it and that game, that game looks beautiful. So let me not lie here. You've, you've actually never played a tales of game, correct? Or if you did, it was I'll really long time ago. The mess of it. Yeah. It's been a long time. Was it, was it uh, tales of, um, how am I going to do this? Guess. Um, I, I need to look at it. Tales of the abyss. Tales of the abyss on GameCube and okay. tales of hard R. Oh, you played the Vita one. Actually, I played it on three. Yes. Tales of Heart R was on 3DS? I'm pretty sure. If it's not Tales of Heart R, I'm confused. Well, Tales of Heart was uh, a 3DS, but I think Tales of Heart R was the Vita remake. Uh, okay, that might be what it was then. Yeah, I played that one on um, Tale, yeah, Tales of Heart. Yeah. Tales of Hearts. That's Tales of Hearts? Yeah, that was the DS one, and it was remade for Vita as Tales of Hearts R. Yeah, and um, the, the t- Tales of Abyss and Tales of... Um, what's... Probably a Japanese one. Tales of Symphonia. Did you play that one on 360? No, I played that on GameCube. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, played both those on GameCube. But Symphonia, I think, or no, I think Symphonia was a GameCube exclusive. Now, are you thinking about that weird uh, exclusive 360 RPG game that was uh, you as a music maker? Yep, and it had a very similar name. It, it, it had a very uh, similar that, name, and the character wore a red jacket. Too. Yeah, because the only Tales of game that was on uh, 360 was Tales of uh, Vesperia. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I can't remember the game that you're talking about. If you know the game that we're talking about, um, it, I would be interested in seeing what it is, because... It, it was, I remember, it really, it's one of those things where I worked at GameStop for so long that you would see cases over and over again. Eternal and Sonata. Like, Eternal Sonata. I played it. I was going to say, I played it. I didn't beat it or nothing. Yeah. But, oh, he didn't have a, he didn't have a red jacket. He had a gray jacket. But, yeah, it, it is very Tailsy looking. Actually, it's made by Bandai Namco, so that's probably why. <laughs> that's probably why, yeah. Um, so, one of my things here is I'm not, I, I'm, I'm undecided on this game so far because I don't feel like the trailer did a good job of showing me how the series has actually moved forward from the last time I played one. It doesn't look like it has, and I think that's the thing with Tales is that it's your, your, it's still your standard. These are really cool looking areas. You're going to run into a monster. It's going to then go into the battle. Which, well, if with, you notice, it didn't show that. It did. Is there a second trailer? Because yeah. what I kept saying, you'd see them in fights, but you wouldn't see how it went. And they haven't quite... Well, they kind of did. Zestiria is where they started having it to where the world just suddenly closes. Kind of like Crisis Core, where you're just running, and instead of it loading into a separate window, it's just like enemies pop up, and it creates a fake barrier around you. Uh, but even then, I want to understand more what it looks like. I wanted to see bigger areas. And the trailer that I specifically watched, which was more character-focused... Oh, yeah, I didn't see this one. Oh, gameplay showcase. Different thing. Yeah. Okay. But this is what I need to watch. It's I also, saw the trailer. It's also pretty cool the fact that like at least since the last this played, already looks so much smoother. If I didn't, if I didn't play, if I if I or if I'd say this, it's been so long since I played it, but it's been a while since I've recalled in Tales of Abyss when you go and encounter an enemy and you you battle them like normal. When you done, there's a load screen. Yeah, but if you remember, Tales of the Abyss had a overworld. Yeah. Uh, whereas the series does not have an over had had an overworld. Since Tales of Zillia. And see, when you beat them in this game, you just automatically, like, instantaneously out, and then all your results are here, not I'm okay with on that. the full screen. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. Now, honestly, just the showcase that you just showed me has restored some of my interest in it. Yeah, it's it's very much Tales in terms of overruled enemies, and then you encounter them, just like Dragon Quest Eleven for those who... If you may have played that uh, and you need an idea, Dragon Quest XI was the exact same. Um, you run around, you encounter an enemy, it goes into a little battle area, you run around the battle area doing real-time damage, um, and you're done. And you win. And, um, yeah, it looks fantastic. It comes out in September. I don't. Th- this is not going to be a game I get on launch. There's only two games left this year I plan on getting on launch, uh, other than Near Replicant, obviously, but it was the Mass Effect Legendary uh, Collection. And, Coming soon, isn't it? Uh, May nineteenth, I think, yeah. or May 29th. But um, it was that. And it was Elden Ring. But I, I'm starting to believe Elden Ring's not coming out this this year. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, okay, next thing up is something that we kind of hinted at earlier. Jim Ryan has come out and announced that due to community feedback, they have realized that they made the wrong decision in choosing to close PS Vita and PS3's PlayStation stores, and they will no longer be closing them. PSP, on the other hand, will still be closed July 2nd as originally planned. And now this one's kind of mixed. I remember Saul and I talked about it Monday after they announced it, and he was like, you know, it's still a shame they're doing PSP. But most of, if not really, the entirety of the PSP store, since it was... The, the PSP store didn't come until like halfway through PSP's lifespan. That's why there's a ton of the best PSP games just not digitally available. Cause it, Birth by Sleep and Crisis Core. Birth by Sleep was a weird case because that game should have been. The PS Store existed. Should have been. PSP Go was out. Yeah. And you could not play Birth by Sleep on PSP Go unless you modded it. Yep. And that's... 
those are the two best PSP games, in my opinion. Yeah, those are really good. I mean, there's a ton of other good games, but um, yeah. So that one being closed makes sense because you can buy all the PSP games on Vita as long as they were available digitally, which is the same thing as PS4 that, because the PS Vita is 100% backwards compatible with PSP. And that wasn't clear to me at first. I was thinking that since the PSP digital store is gone, you can't even buy them through Vita, which you can now. Yeah, and this can. goes back to what we're talking about, isolated store environments. The Vita store environment has games from PSP, but they're in a separate server than the PSPs were. Yeah, and, and then you can still get the, the, the... this is Listen, if you ever want to dive into PSP, get Crisis Core, Birth by Sleep, War of the Lions. That's all you need for like 100 hours. Daxter. Daxter, too. But listen, this is just... This, this, Resistance Retribution, listen, God of War, Change of your first step. <laughs> Killzone Liberation. Like, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good stuff here. Just I'm just telling you, those are the three games you have to play when you own a Vita. If you, if you need three games, just if you just need three games... Wait, for a Vita or a PSP? PSP. Okay, guys, you said Vita. Well, you could play them on your Vita. That's true. Go play them on your Vita. That would be the ideal way, in my opinion, to play them. I'm still wanting to wear the lines we make on Switch. I don't think it'll ever happen. It will never happen. I know it'll never happen, but it would be great. War of the Lions yeah. is a really cool game. War of the Lions is great. That's why I'm so excited for Triangle Strategy. Yeah, I'm curious <laughs> to see how that rolls out. The demo is really good. The demo, I, go play the demo if you haven't. Yeah, Andrew, download your demo for, and you could try it out. It's very much a tactic it's, style. It's, game. it's tactic style. It's a very it's a ta- Triangle Strategy. Triangle. It's a tactic strategy. style game, but it also has uh, choosable dialogue with different outcomes yeah. of stuff. It's, it's really well done. All right, and uh, one thing that's interesting here to note, too, a lot of people, and it was my question as well at first, right, was why are they doing this? And then I started thinking, okay, separate server environments for each one has to be the re- the reason, whereas Xbox can still have original Xbox and 360 games on their Xbox One and Series X store because it's the same store environment. They've just expanded it to more systems, whereas Sony, for some reason early on, kept having everything in their own store environment. I'm fairly positive, though we won't know for a while, I'm fairly positive that the PS4 and PS5 store are in a single server environment. So yeah. moving forward, this shouldn't be an issue anymore. Shouldn't be. No, they're planning for ahead in terms of backwards compatibility with online games or digital games. Now, and there was a there was a really cool AMA that someone who worked really close with PSP and PS Vita came onto Reddit and did, and there was a lot of insight into why. So apparently the choice to kill the PS Vita store has kind of been in the works for a long time. He's no longer with the company, but he said that when he left, it was still kind of on the docket as something they've been planning to do since the system uh, firmware was broken back in like 2017 or 18, whatever it was. Uh, but he didn't know exactly when they were going to do it. And someone asked him why. You know, why wouldn't they just leave it up as a form of passive income and when it has very little, if any, cost related to it? And he actually shed a lot of in, of insight on that, which is things I didn't think of either. You know, you think for the minimal cost of a server, it's probably no big deal. But the reason that they were going to have the game still be downloadable is the servers would be there, and they were they were going to absorb that cost. But the cost that they were more worried about is ha- there's a lot of legal and cost-based things around payment processing. And since each one of these individual server stores have to have their end of their own payment processing, they had to pay for that separately, and there's a lot of weird legality for it uh, as well. So if you go and look at the thing, Jim Ryan makes mention of he's glad he was able to find a way to make this work to where they could keep moving forward. So I wonder if they found a way to work around the limitations of their tech debt that they're kind of working with and either combine or find a way to extend their payment processing from something else into this where it's no longer an issue. 
it's curious. Now, one of the things that's weird right now is developers are still unclear, and this is going around on Twitter, but developers, definitely for the Vita, since it's more indie-focused developers, are a little worried because it's not been made clear to them that even though the store will stay open, if they'll be able to submit new Vita games to release after this July 2nd original window that they were going to have. You would hope so. I would hope so as well, but the fact that it's unclear, a lot of people were saying that uh, before this information that Scourgebringer was going to be like the last Vita game, and there's a lot of developers saying it's not going to be the last Vita game, we've got a game that we're going to have out before the July 2nd window, but we don't know for sure if the July 2nd window is like the nail of death for being able to create new games and release new games. Now, one thing that we haven't talked about here that I think is really the biggest problem with this, I'm glad that Sony did this. This is very much like Microsoft trying to raise the price of gold to 120 a year. And then in the same, you know, it was even quicker. It was like a 48-hour window they reversed that decision. Um, Sony was a little slower here. Now, yes, did was the decision of Xbox and PlayStation in both of these situations, the first decision, kind of a dumb decision to begin with? Yeah. Should we necessarily applaud them for going back and fixing a decision that they chose to do? No and yes. I think that you should applaud the fact that they were able to listen and be like, I guess we shouldn't do this, but still be like, hey, we got our eye on you for the fact that you thought that was a good idea to begin with. Yeah, like you don't let them go slipped under the radar, but you 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 can at least appreciate, or I say this, I, I at least appreciate the fact that they listened, Yeah, but it's not like, it's like, okay, you listen, good job. I don't trust you right now, though. <laughs> yeah, you listen, good job, but also don't make those decisions more, yeah. please. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. The thing that's getting me the most, though, is the fact that Sony were so slow on responding to this, and more so because of how that impacted developers that were working on Vita ports of games that they knew they weren't going to be able to get out into deadline, so they stopped making them. There was a number of developers that said that. Now that the store is not being closed... If indeed the deadline for getting the last games out for certification is is no longer there, did these developers just scrap development on something that they could have kept working on? Yeah, like that's a that's the thing is I haven't heard of anybody. Will they come out. back? I haven't heard of anybody coming out and saying like, oh well, thanks for this because we we just let all of our devs go now we or can, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's a small team of like, Oh, well the person who was handling the Vita port is no longer doing it or, you know, I mean, of course that data is still there, but it's really interesting to say that this is going to end up being the situation. I think the long running thing and the long running complaint I've seen about Sony leveraged against other people. And even the way I feel is that Sony just doesn't talk enough. Sony doesn't communicate well within themselves or to us. A lot of times, you know, PS five era, uh, PS5 reveal era, right? Not too many months ago, that silence was working for them. It, it kind of created a mystery around the system. Whereas Microsoft was coming out and saying everything about the systems and not getting a lot of feedback on it. And Sony was being like, this is the PS5 logo and getting millions upon millions of, of shares and retweets and whatnot. It, it's that seemed to work for them there. But that same silence is kind of biting them in the ass here because there is some good news that's hitting this week. But I feel like all this good news that they've been having hitting, like their partnership they're doing with that Phoenix whatever uh, company, which is just another partnership that no one completely understands what's going to come of it. But as much as that there's those things, and there's, another, there's more news in here, 
all of this good news, I feel like, I know that these things are planned months and ahead. Scooch them up a few weeks. Have good news to go and combat the bad news. That or at least make a real statement. Now, like I said, it's a losing argument for Sony on some of these things. So maybe silence on that is a better front. But at least don't be silent across the board. Just be like, here's some of the good things we're doing. Like, oh, which we can go ahead and talk about here. Um, the... PS Now is getting a long needed improvement as, so, as Sony announced that the service will begin rolling out support for 1080p streaming of games that support that resolution. So previously, all games, PS3 and PS4, uh, would stream at 720p regardless of their native resolution. So now what they're saying is for games that are 720p, they're still going to stream in 720p, which makes sense. That, that could have been used alongside of this other new, bad news. Exactly. And now the 1080p games that are from PS4 will be able to be streamed at, PS, at 1080p. Uh, and that's good. People are asking why they don't have 4K. Well, that's a lot of data to move and why they don't have 1440p. Again, a lot of data to move for most people are going to be happy. You're going to get streaming artifacting to some small degree anyway, so 4K is not going to look as crisp as you think streamed. Yeah. Anyway. But... Also, the more data that you move, the more that you, as far as I understand it, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that even in streaming, the more data you're moving, the longer the chance of latency comes in. Um, so there's probably a balance happening there. But see, this is good news, right? So for the vast majority of PS3 games, yeah, it was working. But all this PS4 games, and people can ask, well, PS4 games are downloadable. Why does this matter? Well, because PS Now not only is available for streaming if you want to quickly try a game out, but it's also available on PC. And yep. these PC players who are being gimped out at you know 720p max are not going to have more. So this is good news, and then this would be enough to kind of somewhat give them something to fight all the bad press they were having. Yeah. So and Sony's silence is biting them in the butt, in my opinion. They could even hit us up with a, a reveal of a new PlayStation Home coming. <gasps> even though I didn't really care for PlayStation Home. Very old, yeah, but what Saul's talking about is... and. and who knows what's going on here, but it's been discovered that Sony very recently renewed the trademark for PlayStation Home, the online social game for PS3, if you don't remember, that saw players take on almost like a Second Life, if you know about that PC game style of play. It was kind of like The Sims and Second Life slammed together. Um, and you could interact with other PlayStation users. Now, whether this means that they're going to be using this IP for a new game or a new entry or bringing it back in some form, or right now they're just ensuring that they hold on to the rights of the name should they ever decide to move in with a new idea remains to be seen. But my long running thing, I've said this a while back on the show multiple times too. I've always thought PlayStation home coming back with PSVR made tons of sense. Yep. And since PSVR two is coming, there's no time like the present to start working on PlayStation home in a sense to where it can be basically VR chat for PlayStation. Absolutely. VR chat right now in terms of like how it blew up in streaming versus kind of what it is now is not exactly the most popular thing to play. But this could actually set off a chain reaction of people wanting PSVR 2 if this is what that is. because Even if it's a flash in a bottle, it gives yeah. you a strong flash in the bottle and then something that supports all these things. Like, you know, for people that want Ape Escape and all this stuff, what you can do is what Sony used to do. You don't got to get a new Ape Escape game necessarily, even though people want it. You can at least somewhat satiate them by being like, oh, uh, the way that, because, you know, VR chat, you could play as any character model yeah. you mod into the game. Well, of course, Sony's not going to have that openness because no. of legality. But what they can do is they can get as close as they can by being like, hey, you can run, these are all the character models from all your favorite games. You can be Kratos from PS3 era. You can be Kratos from PS2 era. All of our models are going to go into this game and you can choose which one you want to do or buy them. It becomes a revenue source for them. It becomes a fun way for people to go on and be like, hey, I'm playing as Ratchet right now. Isn't this awesome? I'm playing as Daxter. It would be cool. It'd be cool. But 
unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think keep uh, keep your expectations in check. I think it's an interesting idea. I don't know if I'd have time for it now. It was interesting at the time. Coolest thing back in the day to me was that you could rent a movie from the PS Store and go to the movie theater in PS Home, and you and all your friends could sit, and it would play on the movie theater, and you could kind of see your character, but the majority of your screen was taken up by the movie. Interesting. They just bought uh, video stuff like that to Poland for PS Plus. Are we coming back? Are we tying in? <laughs> That'd be a fun community thing to do. Is all of us hang out and just we could. I mean, we could do that without it. We could just sync up a movie and everybody. Sure, hop in a but I chat. love that idea. Yeah, that, it was so cool back in the day. So interesting. Uh, this one's kind of interesting too. So Tattle has a PS5 console exclusive. It now appears that Godfall is coming to PS4 as well as Peggy, the European game content rating system, has rated the game for Sony's last-gen system. So if you remember, Godfall saw less than stellar reception uh, despite its spot as like a marquee, top-of-the-line, next-gen exclusive when the only other thing that it had to compete with was Demon Souls. Right. <laughs> but... I could see this as Gearbox, because Gearbox is the publisher in this situation, looking to port it back on PlayStation 4 to open it to a wider base and see new sales. Now, one of the interesting things here is why PS4 only and not Xbox, if we're seeing that now. Yeah, this is... Can PS4 come quicker because it still abides to the exclusivity contract with PlayStation, but it gets it on an older system to get a maybe a bigger audience? I don't know, but honestly, like, when are they going to learn? Like, stop... This goes for any company. Games as a service for a single console is so rare to have succeeded. It takes dedication and years of work and turnarounds to make it worth it. Name one game that is a console exclusive games as a service that works well. I don't think there's ever even been one. Now, you can count Sea of Thieves, maybe? Well, but that's on PC. Exactly. I'll say if you include Games Pass on PC into the Xbox cloud. And even then, i got to say, I think Game Pass is the solution to Games as a Service being a console exclusive. I think it's really the only way you can really make it work because you've got to lower that barrier of entry. And I think a lot of people said, including me, I like Godfall. I'm not even crapping on it. I don't think it was a $70 game. I think it was a $50 game. And that's kind of what I'm curious about to see with Returnal, too. Yeah, me too. And I and I, just, I pre-ordered it. I put my money where my mouth is. I watched the uh, the, the gameplay thing they did for IGN. The the it looks super cool. It looks crisp. And honestly, that game is probably worth it for just the DualSense stuff alone. But that's not seventy dollars worth, in my opinion, to get a game to go along it. I still, even after seeing gameplay and if all of that DualSense stuff is added in, that game is at most, in my opinion, fifty dollars. We'll see. I uh, mean, really, I would love to be proven wrong. I do. I would too, but unfortunately, after seeing gameplay, it's not making me feel any more. Um, it's making better. me more excited for the game, just not for the price of the yes. game. Yes, yeah. If that makes sense. So it is what it is. We'll end up seeing what goes on there, and we'll see. Because one of the last things that was, I thought was interesting on there is that the rating board showed the PS4 release date for Godfall as four twenty three twenty one, and that clearly can't be the case because it's four twenty five right now. Um, but that, that's a big idea. I mean, I would hope that if PS4 is going to be in there, that means PS4 and PS5 players for Godfall would be able to play together. Also, Godfall needs to introduce matchmaking because it makes the online multiplayer part of it far more complicated and less enticing than I feel like it otherwise would be. So let me ask you this. What does it launch on PS4 for? At this point, it's on sale so often on PlayStation, I feel like it would have to be like a price drop for the PS5 version and the PS4 version is just the same price. So forty bucks. 30 forty bucks? Uh, forty bucks is what I think would be the thing to do now. Okay. Um, at max fifty, but I think that that'd be pushing it a little. I think that game would benefit that the day it comes out on PS uh, four, it's on PlayStation Plus. For PS five, if nothing else. Yep. 
I mean, like, for both. Just go in for both. And then that way... Fair. It, it, but Sony's thing right now seems to be giving PS5 a, an extended value. True, but at the same time, uh, Rec, what is that game called that came out? The, the Rocket League. <laughs> Destruction All-Stars. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. That, that game coming to PC, PS Plus is the only reason that game lasts as long as it did. Um, honestly, though, if, this, if Godfall on launch came to PS Plus... For the one for one month on both consoles, I feel like that game would have a bit bigger, like a way bigger community and fan base. You're gonna get a lot of people uh, who just need something to play in the, in this pandemic or whatever, and they and that that's something they can look forward to. I would play it. I would 100 percent download it and try it out for a couple of hours. I mean, saw saw me play it for a little bit just uh, yeah, out of curiosity. Looks, once we talked about it, it looks fun. I just don't know if I'm if it's worth it even throwing money at for me. I think the bigger thing too is if you depending on what you know the end game to be. Which again, it's a game. Okay, it's weird to say. It's not really a game as a service. Okay, it's kind of more like the analogy we've been using for Avengers. The game is meant to be played completely single player, but at the end, you can do stuff together with other people. The story has the game has a completely single player story that you're supposed to play and explore all by yourself, kind of like Diablo. I could still see that as game as a service though, because is it as long as it's doing one of two things? It's it's uh, uh, updating with content, uh, and I don't a, know if on it a is quarterly or not, scale. Well, and see, that's it's it's not been out long enough to know if it's going to get expansions or not, and yeah. if it's being constantly worked on server side for patches and fixes and bug changes and and um, uh, I'm not so sure it is. I think I view it more like Monster Hunter World. I c- I consider that a game as a service. I think it's even more so a game to service than Godfall because it constantly had events going and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, because there's constant events, there's constant tweaks and stuff like that. So, But even then, I think th- I agree that there's a strong argument for it as a game as a service, but it's definitely not a traditional game as a service. No, it's not. So, not traditional like it's been around forever. <laughs> it has. For a while, it has been since last generation. <laughs> That's We're true. going in like three years now. Well, what was the first game to service, I wonder? Honestly, one? MMOs, but Destiny. Well, okay, War- Warframe. And that came out in 2013, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a launch game. So almost a decade now. Yep. We're getting close. Uh, next up, Days Gone has had nothing if not a strong online community around the game, and the developers are wanting to tap into that by celebrating the game's second anniversary with some fun. A photo mode contest will be starting April 26th, the day this episode goes up, so it's Monday, and the grand prize will see the winner get the Art of Days Gone book, a t-shirt, beanie, and a poster. The next two runner-ups will also be getting the t-shirt, beanie, and poster as uh, rewards as well. That's not all, though. Uh, those of you still enjoying your PS4 or wondering why PS5 doesn't have themes yet, which I certainly am, will get a free dynamic theme of the game Sawmill from a code that Ben will be posting on their social media account, so keep an eye out for that. Lastly, there will be some digital deluxe editions of the game if you've not played it and for some reason didn't get it on PS Plus or you just want the extra goodies from the digital deluxe that will be being given away from not only Ben Studio themselves, but a handful of community members via their Twitch and YouTube channels as they stream the game in celebration of its two years. That's This is a good thing. I'm really, I, I genuinely curious to see. I feel like the rhetoric around Days Gone has made a very quick, I, I mean, it's been good for a long time. Early couple months, it was mixed because of how it performed and a bunch of other things and the fact that it was slow. But lately, definitely since it's been free on PS Plus and PS Plus Collection, um, I feel like there's been a much more positive thing on it, and even more recently since that article came out, it seems like it's like 
really viscerally pro- positive around the game. And with the PC version coming, with the outcry from fans saying they want more, I, it's not that I think that they're going to somehow strong arm Sony into it. And I'm not even saying that Sony is not keen for a Days Gone 2 if they hear a better pitch. We don't know enough. But it's curious to see that despite all the drama that's recently happened around this game, here's this. Well, okay, so obviously that drama does not come from Bend. Exactly. No, it doesn't. So this is Bend themselves kind of taking a helm at keeping the community. Because you got to think about it. That I am one of these people. Before downloading Modern Warfare, I wanted to know if it was still a popular quote-unquote game to play, meaning that it still had tons of people playing on its servers. Because sure. there's no point in my mind to get good at a multiplayer game if the servers are dying, and that you're eventually like Titanfall Two is notorious for having like uh, an actual like like you will play and there's like at least five hundred to a thousand people playing at all times, mm-hmm. and you'll run into the same people and like you'll run into the best of the best, and I hear those are really toxic people. And I don't like that. I don't. I don't like. There to me, there's no reason because eventually that game's gonna fizzle out, or I'm gonna get tired of it because it's just the same people over and over again, and there just doesn't seem like a point. With that in a single player game, it's kind of almost the same in a very different way. Though I want to know if there is still a community at least active to discuss story elements of the game, gameplay, fun videos, stuff like this. And for how long this game's been out, and for the story that rivaled this game at its launch, I think this is so cool and an important feature to keep because it's showing people that A, this game still has a community. B, the community is doing cool stuff like art contest. C, this community has still flourished through the fact that they're not getting a sequel and it's still a strong community. They didn't have people leave out of the community. They didn't have, you know, the community didn't see any kind of downfall because of that. Yeah. If anything, the drama has bolstered the community. Exactly. And that's, I think is the beautiful thing behind this is that this is kind of important. This is kind of important for, for the community to stay around. And I always think that this is why I'm always for cosplay. Any game with more players, single player or multiplayer, whatever it is, means more community. Mm-hmm. And if you have a game like Godfall that was on uh, PS4 and PS5, maybe there is enough there to get in a community. That's another reason I won't play it. It doesn't seem like the community for it's that big. Yeah, it seems like if you play it, it's really just going to be that experience to yourself, which is fine. But that is a game that I felt like the goal was to have a conversation around the game. And I've never really seen that conversation outside of... <laughs> It's not great. Yeah, I mean, even games like <laughs> or it's not worth the like, money. Like Mass Effect. I, one reason I'm I'm so excited for Mass Effect to come out is I am wanting to see the way people play that game, the choices they make, the way the game turns for them, and their feedback on it. And that's not a multiplayer game. I mean, technically, two. I, I don't know if they're bringing PvP back, but technically there is some. But I'm not. I don't mean for that. And I think that that's why. In games like this, it's important to keep this community at an all-time high. And I would say right now, this is it for Days Gone. I don't think you can get higher than this of this kind of community. This yeah. and this and how strong they still are. And the uh, just the cool stuff that Ben is doing for them. Well, one of the other things about Days Gone that I think has been really interesting, and you've seen it around some other games. I think God of War was kind of one of those uh, odd forces where it just brought people to... Okay, let me back up a little bit. One thing for a long time that was talked about on the Jaffe stream between like Jeff Ross and John Garvin is that in games, it's never been that you you don't you the personality behind making the games don't get recognized typically in the same way as like a director in, in movies and stuff do, and that they argue that it's also a much more team based effort, so they don't necessarily think it should be, but 
people don't know them for their work. You know, people aren't like, oh yeah, John Garvin, the writer of Resistance Retribution, the writer of Uncharted Golden Abyss, the writer of literally everything that Sony Bend has ever put out besides Bubsy, I think. So when you look at it in that regard, um, it's been interesting seeing that they talked about Days Gone has opened this weird door for them where it's like suddenly a lot of people are following them and realistically because of Days Gone. They're like, you know, so it's like people are reaching out and knowing and understanding who these directors are. These directors are these creative and lead directors, game directors are getting different. Uh, what would you even say? I guess they're getting just notoriety from this in a way that's been unlike the past. Now, Isn't this is one of the upsides. No, huh? Isn't that their fault, though? What do you, you mean? Saw, okay, so like, here's an example. Uh, with like John Garvin or David Joffe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw with like Call of War 2018, Corey Balrog went out of his way to do all kinds of stuff in terms of interviews, yes, uh, behind-the-scenes videos, the yes. developer diaries. Which and, John and Jeff have both done. Yeah, but that's but. the thing is the, the – not the quality, but the, the AAA versus uh, Golden Abyss, which is a handheld game. Like, I mean, it was the, a handheld AAA game, but True, yes. I know, but I'm saying, like, you, God of War obviously had way more of a launch, like, an explosive launch. Well, and God of War was similar to Days Gone in the sense that it, there was a lot of people that played and loved God of War who've never played any of the past ones. They may have known who Kratos was, but I think that there's a real thing where it surprised people, and it was such a flash in the pan, that it made people go, like, who made this? Yeah. And, and I mean, then Corey leaned in on it. Now, one of the things that they talked about is that Corey seems to be a little more vocal in it, but they were saying that when you work at Sony, because you know neither John or Jeff work at Sony anymore. Yeah, he said, and they have far more active Twitter things than they used to. Yeah, and, trust he, me, and he said, you know, when you work at Sony, they're really strict about what you can and can't put on. Like even David Jaffe was saying, like you know, he was asked whenever uh, Drawn to Death was coming out, he was saying something that was getting. You know, it was stirring up stuff uh, from people who supported him and didn't agree with him on drawing to death. And Sony reached out and was like, hey, you know, can you not tweet for a couple weeks? I'm sure that that's true, but it's coming from David Jaffe and I don't believe it. Oh, I believe everything David Jaffe says about Sony. um, I'm not sure. And and his experience there, mostly because he talks really well about Sony, even though he also talks really well about loving what Microsoft's doing with Game Pass and stuff. Yeah. He's an interesting cat, but you'd have to have more time understanding him. I've been following him to some degree ever since God of War 1. He is is one of those that, that from, from just the way I see him do his videos, it's like, I'm going to make a video with the intent of getting this emotion out of you. And it's not always for the good. Like there's like it's it's those videos with like like um, many YouTubers do it. It's just not my it's not my style at all yeah. uh, when it comes to wanting to view a video. And it's like the either the title or the thumbnail itself is inherently aggressive to make you like okay, this is stupid. Let me see what he's talking about. Search engine optimization. Yeah, boys. and it's not my cup of tea. That's fair. I mean, I don't know how much of his stuff you've actually watched. That's the only, you know, I mean, you're not wrong for having your opinion on him anyway. Yeah. Based off of what you have experienced, even if it's not directly there's from also, him. There's also Twitter comments he's made that's pretty, pretty Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, a, absurd. he's, a, he's always been a very outspoken person. <laughs> I don't know if outspoken is an excuse for some of the things I've seen. <laughs> oh, maybe. I don't know what you've seen. Um, but even then, to his to the credit of his thing, he said back then, but of course the internet wasn't as big, he's always kind of been an outspoken person. He actually said, he's like, he goes, who knows, I might be part of the reason that Sony's so strict on what they let people say on social media these days. Yeah, that, I could, uh, yeah. But, 
anyway, that's it's an interesting thing. But communities and how they build around single player games are very interesting because there's no online multiplayer aspect to this game at all, and yet it feels like a game that brings people together to talk about it in a way that almost feels like a. And I'm not trying to say these are the same thing. It's just I don't I don't feel like I've seen very many single player games do this outside of like God of War, this, and things like the the Last Guardian or Shadow of the Colossus or games that are kind of vague in their emotional things. God of Wars is not, but uh, where you bring this weird thing where people get together and talk about it and experience. And I think half of that is because of how the gameplay of this game is. So like it's you, you roll through and it's just um, free. What do they call it? There's it's, you you know, it's emergent gameplay where it's like the, the gameplay is easy and fun to talk about because your experience is so different from someone else's. Where oh, yeah. if I'm talking to you about playing the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare campaign, it's the same. The reality is, is that while I may have done things a little bit differently, and I think that game probably had the most opportunity to do things differently. At the end of the day, we still did very similar things. Yeah, but that's not to say that that's not cool to discuss things in the story and stuff like that. Sure, off to the side. Yeah, I mean for sure. I think it's been really interesting seeing how that has worked out for them, and hopefully, it still does well for you. Them. Know what game was fun with that uh, at launch? What's that? Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, it was. Speaking of Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, Play at Home is still going, and users who don't already have Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition can go download it completely free up until May 14th. So We may not have had the nicest words to say about Horizon Zero Dawn in the past, but it is absolutely worth a playthrough. I mean, I, it's weird, because it's what we talk about with this all the time. I love the game. I do, too. I love the game. There's just a lot of weird... There was just weird things with it at quirky launch. Quirky flaws, yeah. Um, I mean, it, to be fair, it wasn't as broken at launch as Days Gone. <laughs> but No, no. There was, there was some jank in it where, like... It's like we do with Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. It's a great game. Do yeah. I still complain about the things that I didn't like? Yeah, and I don't... I guess I hope that it's known that we're not just complaining to complain. No. We're, we're viewing this as an opportunity to really look at this from and an objective it. standpoint of us and just critique in a way that we feel is valid. You don't have to agree with that, and we're not minimizing even our own love for the game. I love Spider-Man 2018. It's a great game. Well, and something, something for me that I say, and this is completely objective, but this is something that like i'll see somebody say um so and so is worth buying a console for with so and so being a game and i've just said in the past i don't think horizon nor spider-man is worth buying a ps4 for um just off those two find something else because to me i would be let down if i bought a console for horizon or spider-man not to say though that they're not great games they're just not worth spending four hundred dollars to play now, I'll say Demon's Souls is worth a PS5 purchase. That's 500 I know there's absolutely tons of people out there that will disagree with that. Yeah. See, so like yeah. that's, that's where objectivity comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last thing up, though, is what we already talked yeah, about, we- which was PS Now. So we are good. We have cleared the news though. here. The, the the community stake, I think, is actually – I think it would be fun to go around the PlayStation Home idea. Okay. Um, did you play PlayStation Home? Do you even remember it? Did you know that it existed? Uh, and would you be interested in something like that? I would. Before you even answer the question, I would ask you to look up a little bit of gameplay about it and just see what it was kind of about. Because if you didn't know anything about it, I'm curious to see how well this would work now. Because games have kind of gotten to where they're doing this. Um, basketball, Hub World. The basketball game, um, you know, the NBA 2K games had it to where you could go to the... I don't know what it's called. I think it's called like My Street. It may not be. But it was like a social area where everybody came together and you could just play like you just pick walk over and pick up game and yeah. then walk over here and you could buy shoes and talk with other people. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the little condo you start out in PlayStation Home is like on a beach, right? Yeah. It's okay. like you walk out. Yeah. There's like a little little, little balcony. Yeah. There's like a, yeah, exactly. 
The game, the game was weird. It was, and I remember. I was the making time. sure I played it. And I was like, I, I was questioning you one hundred percent did. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I think me, I think either me and you played it, or me and um, my old buddy Justin from work uh, when we worked at CVS. Speaking of which, he watched the show a long time ago. I don't know if you still do, Justin, but you know who you are. Hit me up somehow and get my new phone number. He lives in Dallas now, so that that'll narrow it down. To what I'm talking about, but um, yeah. Hey, for those that don't know. You can go answer that community's take question involving PlayStation Home on a couple of different areas. You could do it in the YouTube comments, and but I've mentioned before, nobody has. Feel free to be the first. Uh, you can go join our Discord, which is in the link description below. You can go to Twitter at twitter.com slash triangle SQRD. Go follow us on there and get uh, some moments. Like I said, I'm taking a break from Twitter and Discord right now just for near, but uh, I'm hoping to get it done by the end of the week. Um, you can also go and follow us on pretty much any podcast service that you listen to. If you don't find us on there, let us know. We'll do uh, what we can to get put on there. And, uh, of course, you can go and help support us at patreon.com slash nartech when we mentioned earlier why that is important as to the livelihood of the show and helping up keep costs and all that in between. But Also just being a super cool person. Yes, and you could be a super cool person on <laughs> our Patreon, too. You get a name, you get a different color. That's going to be our name. $10 tier. A super, super cool, cool person. person. I like it. I think so. I think they'll appreciate that, too. But, um, yes, get with us for next week, and we'll uh, go through the community together and uh, talk about all the news and everything else in between. So thank you all for episode 209. We'll see you back for 210. Thanks, guys. And a big shout-out to our patrons, Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, the Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, <clears throat> Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, and Ham Ann Egger. Thank you guys so much, and we hope you have a great one.